Welcome back to the Future Cities podcast. Today's episode is a little bittersweet for me. This podcast started back in 2017 before I even started my graduate degree at Arizona State University with the Urban Resilience to Extreme Sustainability Research Network. The first cohort of students with that research network decided that they wanted to come together and make a podcast after they attended a science communication workshop so that they could disseminate what they were working on to more individuals out in the world and just have a, a broader reach and a broader impact. And so Urex hosted this podcast for about five years before it was taken over by a spinoff project of Urex, which was Natura. And you hear that sign off at the end of every one of our episodes each month. And so they became our primary funder, and we're really thankful for the time that we've had with them sponsoring this podcast. So during my own time and involvement with this podcast, I've gone from being a PhD student to a candidate to a postdoc and now an assistant professor. And it's been incredibly rewarding to hear from so many amazing different people on what they're working on in their different and respective fields. And it's been an honor to really coordinate and host all these different individuals for the last year and a half. But it's also been a little bit overwhelming from time to time doing this largely alone. So it's with great pride and excitement that I get to say that the Institute for Resilient Infrastructure Systems at the University of Georgia will not only be our new sponsor, but also be providing supporting roles in producing this podcast. So just a little bit about IRIS, which is the acronym for the Institute for Resilient Infrastructure Systems. It was formed at the University of Georgia in 2017, same year as this podcast. So that's kind of a fun, exciting, uh, coordinating thing. But IRIS was created to advance the integration of natural and conventional infrastructure systems to strengthen society's resilience to flooding, sea level rise, drought, extreme heat, and other challenges. So very similar topics that we've seen on this podcast throughout the years. IRIS is also really uniquely positioned where we have faculty members that represent over 15 disciplines, as well as partnerships with a number of organizations and businesses. So you can see how this is all aligning with a lot of the different speakers that we've had and the diversity in topics and point of views that we've approached around what future cities means in urban resilience. So we'll dive a little bit more into IRIS further on in this episode. So now before we introduce our new leadership team, the bittersweet announcement that I have, we will no longer be publishing under the name Future Cities Podcast. The episodes of this podcast have long ago expanded beyond the urban space. We've talked about urban ecology, but we've also talked about just ecology. We've moved into health topics as well. And so we really wanted something that encompassed a, a bigger picture of what resilience means, what futures for the whole entire world means. And so we've decided to rename this podcast, the Resilient Futures Podcast. And so we hope you all can still continue to find us wherever you listen to your podcast under our new title. And we will still have our social media live and we'll just change the name on there. So if you're already following us, you are good to go. So with that, I would like to introduce Todd Bridges, one of our new co-hosts for the Resilient Futures podcast. Hi, Todd. Thank you so much for joining us today and indefinitely into the future. Hi, Alicia. It's great to be here and to join you in uh, the progression of your podcast experience in life and to join in this effort to draw others into this important discussion about resilience. Thank you, Todd. 
I would also like to introduce another member of our team who will often be behind the scenes, but very much appreciated, and that is Sarah Buckleitner. Sarah is the Communications Director for IRIS. Sarah, is there anything you would like to say? Hi, everyone. I'm honored to get to be a part of this effort. It's really exciting, and we can't wait to get to know you all. And I, of course, will continue to be a co-host here on this podcast. So with that, Todd, maybe we should introduce ourselves to the crowd. I think that would be a great idea. And I think we should start with you, Alicia. I'm just getting to know you myself. And I'm interested in the personal journey that we all take. And so I'll just start by asking, where'd you come from? You started a little bit of that earlier. Yeah, so a little bit of my professional history was laid out in there, but maybe maybe a fun, a more fun story would be how I ended up in engineering. I think it's a little unique spin on things and not the typical little pathway, but I grew up in a really small town. It was in Northeastern Indiana, only about 9,000 people. And I was a very prolific reader. I promise this all connects. Um, but there was an accelerated reader program within my elementary school. And one of the rewards for getting a certain number of points was to be able to job shadow someone for a day. And being like eight, I wanted to job shadow an interior designer. I was like, that would be such a fun career. <laughs> well, there's no interior designers in a 9,000 person town <laughs> in Northeastern Indiana. And so we did have... Thunderbird, which was a company that makes yachts. And within that company, there was a draftsman who designed the interior of the boats. And they were like, well, this is close enough. You can go job shadow them. And so I got to see AutoCAD for like the first time. And you're just seeing all these layers and colorful rainbow lines everywhere that make up the inside of this boat. And I was like, I'm going to be an, or I'm going to be a draftsman. At that point, I didn't know what an engineer was yet. And my high school had a draftsman's program that abruptly ended after my freshman year, but then they introduced an engineering program. And so I decided I would become an environmental engineer in high school purely because I was like, okay, engineering seems kind of cool. I really like the state park by my grandpa's house. So that seems like a good discipline. And so it was really just this roundabout way of the world <laughs> just kind of moving my trajectory as I went along. There was, there was never this clear objective of I'm going to be an engineer, but just kept, kept bouncing as I decided what my lifelong career was going to be. And what, what in particular maybe sparked your, your interest in the work that you do in this area of resilience? Yeah. So I think I was really fortunate during my education at Purdue University for Environmental and Ecological Engineering because they already had that wicked complexity conversation going on at that undergraduate level, which is not completely common, or at least wasn't the eight years ago now um, since I started that program. And I just found it fascinating because I really think a lot of people join engineering because they want to solve problems. They want to make the world a better place. We go in with that mindset and then it kind of gets lost in the, the weeds of compliance, safety, and regulation when we're designing, particularly in civil and environmental engineering, different infrastructures. I found that when taking that step back to that systems of systems, that wicked complexity question, you really got to begin to grapple 
with those big problems. And I felt like there was more creativity involved in that. And so I really wanted to bring nature into cities was what I left my undergrad pitching to grad school applications. I kind of pitched it as you could have this social, this ecological, and this technological point of view and bring it all together by putting green infrastructure into the middle of your city. I had somebody hire me for that at Arizona State University and did not end up working in green infrastructure at all, but ended up taking on more of these large systems of systems across different engineered infrastructures. And that's where I was introduced to this term resilience. Up until that point, it was all sustainability, sustainability. I found the resilience concept a little more engaging if to me sustainability was beginning to feel a little pigeonholed into like optimization a little bit um, and a lot about reduction, which is all very important, but I was having just more general interest in how, how can you bounce back? How can you have multifunctionality? And that it was more in that resilience space that those questions were being asked. So I just continued to pursue that route. No, great story. And so I know your career has been much longer than mine, and you've been working in this space. <laughs> That's a different way of saying I'm old in comparison to You're you. You're experienced. Okay. okay. And you can bring much more insight uh, from a different perspective than maybe what this podcast has seen in the last couple of years. And I do want to tell all of our listeners, Todd is an amazing speaker. I'm so excited to have him here as one of our co-hosts. I think you'll all have a great time listening. Just you'll, you'll see through his introduction. But Todd recently joined the University of Georgia after a 30-year career. So could you tell us a little bit about where you've come from? Yeah, sure, sure can. I also grew up in a small town bigger than your town, but by California standards, it was a small <laughs> town, a small town in the Central Valley of California, in the San Joaquin Valley. And I am a child of the 60s and the 70s, that is the 1960s and the 1970s. And I grew up watching and learning about the world through the eyes of a man named Jacques Cousteau, who had a television series about the ocean. And that just, you know, piqued my interest. I was just drawn into this world of him and his family and their exploration of the oceans and life in the oceans. And, and I uh, decided very early on in, in my life, you know, in grade school that man, I was, I was going to study biology and ecology. So that is my background. That's what I pursued in college and in graduate school and eventually got my PhD in oceanography. And then from there, as you as you indicated, I spent 30 years uh, until just this year working for the Army Corps of Engineers, which is one of the largest public infrastructure engineering agencies in the world with a long, uh, illustrious history and legacy that dates back to 1775 when the organization was formed uh, one day after the Continental Army was formed. And of course, at that time, you know, engineers within this regiment, within this newly forming country, devoted their efforts to building fortifications and the work expanded from there. So I was a biologist, ecologist, environmental scientist in a large sea of engineers. 
uh, within the Army Corps of Engineers. And that that was a very fulfilling, informing and influencing experience over, you know, three decades of time. Also very productive. I have such tremendous respect for engineers and what they do and also the power that comes from combining people with different backgrounds, including science and engineering together. That was the basis of us forming in, in 2010, you know, a program that we called engineering with nature of combining the natural world and the engineered world together to develop, you know, stronger systems, better systems, more value laden systems. And so that that's 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 part of my story and and my introduction to resilience maybe just to continue that i um of course it has a legacy within the field of ecology that goes back to buzz halling in 1973 and this resilience concept in terms date back even much farther than that but hurricane sandy in 2012 really gave rise to a large and growing kind of interest in resilience in the context of disaster in the united states and it was really a a term and a series of concepts that were pursued with quite a bit of energy and vigor uh, following that event in 2012, which was a nice compliment, I think, to the focus point from a previous hurricane, Hurricane Katrina in 2005, which I also worked on planning studies after that, where the focus was more on risk and risk analysis. And I also did work in that space as well. But I think resilience has a very important place and importance in our future and developing resilient futures for our communities. I'm looking forward to working with you and engaging the community working in this space, Alicia, through the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I think you're going through that timeline of different disturbances that maybe stand out for resilience. I think you could also add outside of climate, the terrorist attack in 2001 really got it on at least the U.S. government radar on what does it mean to be resilient and it started picking up in that space but then I was I was reflecting back on my own timeline so maybe it was just inevitable to focus on resilience because growing up I was seeing these disturbances every few years whether it be a hurricane or if it's a tornado throughout the midwest it's just we're seeing these disturbances more and more frequently I guess when I think of resilience what I find really interesting I think you have a little bit of history of the word um, that you want to speak about. But the idea that it's so hard to measure what resilience is, is fascinating to me, where it's like, you can look at something and know when it's not resilient, because it has failed. But you can't look at something that's not failing and say it is resilient. And just having that uncertainty underneath our systems, wondering what what we need to do so that a system can kind of like self-organize to become resilient will just be a really fascinating thread to explore throughout all of our future episodes from all these different perspectives. Like you're saying, resilience is coming out of ecology. It's moved into infrastructure systems around 2010. So very, very ahead of the curve there with the engineering with nature. You're right on the forefront of that really, really picking up in the literature. It's also, I mean, really dominant in technology, in business, if, if you're building the next iPhone and they're coming out every year and you're a competitor also to that technology, that's an extremely volatile environment to be in where you have to be able to have that rebounding capacity and that ability to pivot and swerve 
And so resilience is just a really interesting landscape to me. There's a lot of different directions it can go. But I was wondering, yeah, if you could speak a little bit to that that history of the word. Yeah, I mean, some find it a bit disconcerting, actually, that the word does have a long history and it means uh, in a conceptual sense or even in a, in a practical sense, something different in different contexts, you know, and for professions and, and in applications. But it does have a long history and it comes from a Latin word, resilere, which means to bounce or jump or rebound. And this is where we get the idea that you often hear connected to resilience of bouncing back uh, from a disturbance. Um, and furthermore, you can trace the the use of the English word to its first you know application in a scientific context to Sir Francis Bacon, who used this word in some writing he was doing about echoes and how you know echoes bounce off you know other surfaces. So this goes back a long time in, in English in a technical context, you know, hundreds of years. And the whole range of definitions being applied to fields like mechanics and engineering and ecology and psychology and social science, among others, as you indicated. Some of the work that I did within the Corps of Engineers with colleagues related to COVID-19 and the response of our country. And I think, you know, the average person in the world, and certainly in the United States, really confronted a lot of the issues and a lot of the challenges and the opportunities that we're going to explore in this podcast in relation to resilience during COVID-19 in many different ways. Technical ways, like how does the, the medical infrastructure, the health infrastructure of the country respond to this disturbance that's been introduced, you know, onto the human population? Um, but what the implications of that are for the economy, for supply chains, which we're still trying to understand, you know, what happened and how we can make supply chains more resilient in the face of global disturbances of this nature, but also, you know, personal and social resilience as people were locked down in place. So there's a whole range of, you know, applications uh, that we can explore, but we also need to be, and this gets back to the purpose of IRIS, um, to develop the science in the engineering that will support developing resilient futures? How do we measure? How do we model? How do we make, if you will, or how do we manage resilience in these different kinds of systems? And, and I think through this podcast and revealing uh, the work of others and their stories in this space, I think we'll be able to learn uh, as well as share that experience with others. I think that's what I'm most excited about. So we have a long history on this podcast of bringing in a ton of diverse perspectives. We're going to continue to pull um, from all of those graduates, the UREX network, continue to reach out to Tura. We now also have Iris and that entire community working towards, yes, what is resilience for insert your system of interest here type type work. So we we focused on cities when this podcast was first starting. There's a huge push for precision agriculture here at UGA. What what does that mean in the context of resilience? We have ecology, different um, 
like plains management? What does it mean for watershed management? Can you have regional watershed management? There's ideas of how can you have like bio-inspired design? What does that mean? How about hybrid infrastructure? And I think we're just going to be really well positioned to bring in so many different individuals to cover these topics and just provide a space for somebody who is listening to maybe think a little bit outside of their box and consider, oh, how could I bring in an individual working in this space that complements mine? Like what, what is that shared thread that we have so that we can look at this problem more holistically? And I really hope that's something this podcast can help do is begin to create those bridges of community for different individuals, whether they're working on hosting an episode, whether they're listening to an episode and working in their own space. But I don't know, I think we could create this large sense of community. And I, that makes that makes me really excited. Yeah, I, in my career personally, and I, I think I've sensed this from you as well, Alicia, there's just, it's really exciting to work in an interdisciplinary space and resilience is definitely a space like that. I mean, it's not for all people because it, there are a lot of tensions, you know, uh, and tense points that that emerge out of working in in such a interdisciplinary space. But how do we as scientists and engineers and economists and lawyers and fill in the blank other professions alongside community members work together in purposeful ways to develop or build, if you will, resilience within our systems and communities? That's that's a that's a important, I can say profound, you know, question that we can pursue in our small way within this podcast by elevating the stories of organizations and practitioners and communities and all the interesting people that are working in this space. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to enjoy it a lot, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll start, I'll start with just a contentious probably statement, but I, I hope this podcast does create a space of tension because if you're not being challenged, why, why are you listening to the podcast? Like I, I want to, I want to have that tension in this, in this space. I want to challenge what people are thinking. Um, and so I think, I think that's going to, I think that innately has to be in these interdisciplinary spaces. If you don't have that tension there, if you don't have the ability to navigate that tension, you're not going to make progress in having some kind of transdisciplinary product at the end. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the stories that we reveal through this, uh, if you will, healthy tension <laughs> that I think is necessary for the growth and the advancement of any field. Uh, when too many people are thinking alike about something, that's cause for concern. <laughs> I think, especially in the context of uh, of the challenges that we have in. The United States and in other places around the world, you can't, you know, look at your phone or read the news uh, any place without being confronted with the idea that our systems and our communities are confronting a whole series of disturbances and events and combinations of disturbances and events that are really challenging and overcoming the systems that we've built and we've engineered over the last 100 plus years. And to be able to secure, if you will, our future or to build resilient futures, we have to find a way of integrating uh, our systems together that 
presents and provides resilience. So we have a ton of different ideas for where we want to take this podcast, but we're also really excited to hear from those of you listening, those of you that have been involved previously with the podcast about the stories that you want to share, the research that you've been working on, and maybe the projects. I mean, if you're in that practitioner space as well, we want to hear from you. We want to hear about community members who are working from the ground up on how to build resilient futures in their communities. And so please reach out to us if you would like to be featured or participate in this podcast in some capacity. We are always open to those lines of communication. And if you have ideas or topics that you would like to see you know, presented on the podcast, share those, please. Yeah, some low-hanging fruit. If you don't want to be fully involved and forward-facing, feel free to shoot us some ideas and we'll, we'll cover the groundwork on how to get that episode up and running. And so we will have a webpage that will be in the sign-off of this episode as well as in the description. You can also still find us on Twitter or X if you would like to follow us on social media. Looking forward to the conversation, Alicia, very much. And I am so excited to have you, Todd and Sarah, joining this team. Thank you so much for your time commitment moving forward.